Please note, this episode contains strong language and sexual situations. On October 27, 2020, in a federal court in Brooklyn, New York, a man stood awaiting his sentencing after being convicted of seven total charges, including two counts of sex trafficking. Fifteen women stood and gave heartbreaking testimony of financial coercion, fraud, mental manipulation, and sexual abuse. One woman even testified that this particular man abused her when she was 15 years old and forced her to keep her weight under 100 pounds. As the horror stories unfolded, the man in question sat, listened, and then denied all allegations. That man was Keith Ranieri. Years prior, the warrant for his arrest stated that he knowingly and intentionally recruited, enticed, harbored, transported, obtained, patronized, and solicited persons. That warrant listed two women, Jane Doe number one and Jane Doe number two. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to introduce to you Jane Doe number two. We get there, the bus stop. It's pitch black. It's snowing. It's cold. We're in the middle of nowhere. I just thought, who the fuck is playing volleyball right now? But I was really excited to meet Keith. So when I met him, I had this huge emotional breakdown. And I started crying. And he holds my hand, sits me down at this little bench area, and he's like, why are you so emotional right now? And I said, I'm meeting someone who cares enough about humanity that wants to change it in a positive way. And I'm just really emotionally moved right now. He just held my hand and was just like, I'm glad that you're here. No one wakes up going like, oh, I want to join a cult today. Welcome to Was I in a Cult? He meant to say, join us on Was I in a Cult? Yes, join us, please, and never leave. Never leave us. <laughs> Tell them, who am I? This is Liz Iacuzzi. She is my very funny co-host. Funny with a question mark? <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a question mark and an exclamation mark. Oh, it was an intro bang. An intro bang, which for you listeners who don't know, that is an actual form of punctuation. They don't also know that I am the intro bang of podcast hosts. <laughs> right. And what am I? My grammar efficient co-host, Tyler Meesom. He's he's like the ellipses of <laughs> podcast hosts. <laughs> Great. Because you just want to pull sections of what I say right out and compress them. <laughs> Incorrect. Because we we always want more Tyler and you mm-hmm. leave us on the edge of our seats. We're kind of screwing up this episode already, Liz. Because it's a lot of pressure. Right. You know, the perfect intro banter. I don't know how we could not not screw it up, Tyler. It's a double negative. Bing. It's very cult leader patois of you. A patois? <laughs> <laughs> Are you just already trying to impress the audience with your... Seven years of community college right there, (laughs) coming through. Let's stop with the tell. Yes. Get to the show. Sure thing. Who are we speaking with today? Well, today we're talking with Jessica Joan. Hmm. Jessica Joan is a former member of the group Nexium. How do you spell Nexium? N-X-I-V-M for Strange. some reason, which we may get into. 
This is a self-help group that was very recently exposed, and if you've been watching, there's been a decent amount of press regarding it of late. Just a little, mm-hmm. if you ever turn on the news.com app. Or any documentary. <laughs> or open your eyes. <laughs> and Jessica is a key player in some of the stuff that's transpired. Oh, you're teasing us, Liz. I'm such a tease. Mm-hmm. In fact, the day she got off a plane from a certain someone's sentencing. Teasing, teasing. She drove right to our studio to give us her exclusive story. Now I feel special. I also feel special. This is what it must be like to be in a cult. In the beginning, yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of beginnings, shall oh, we? See what you did there. Okay. Take it away, Jessica. I am Jessica Joan, author, actress, producer, poet, Avenger. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in Orange County. I had a very cushy upbringing. It was really nice. I went to Toys R Us all the time. And we had like a nice house and marble floors and like a chandelier. And so my dad, he grew up in the Philippines and came here. I was definitely a daddy's girl, but also my mom loved me and she was a nurse for babies in the ICU. So she's actually has a a huge heart, so much light and charisma. But it wasn't long before things took a turn in their happy home. My parents had their own journey. Basically, my dad was manufacturing and producing drugs in our home, like some uh, Breaking Bad shit. Oh. <laughs> As a meth kitchen. Sadly, a nurse's salary couldn't compete, so her mother left the nursing world and got swept up in the drug game, too. And she was hooked. Not only did she love to sell it, but she loved to do it, cook it. Yeah, do it, cook it, sell it, manufacture it, send it across the country. I grew up in that kind of environment. But one day when Jessica was just five or six years old, her mom up and left. No note or anything. She was a young mom, now addicted to her own product. And as Jessica puts it, parents leave, people leave, shit happens. She was just doing her own thing. Caught up in the drug game and she is a narcissist. Also, she's a natural born hustler. Like she's pretty gangster, to be honest. So now my dad, a lot of what he did was take care of his three small children. Which meant continuing to be Walter White. For the record, you guys, Jessica's dad is no longer dealing meth, and he has completely turned his life around. She's actually quite close with him today. Thanks for clearing that up and being the bright side, Liz. You're welcome. But when Jessica was just 10 years old, this is about five years after her mother left. The SWAT team came to my house in fifth grade. (laughs) I just got out of the shower My cousin was singing Britney Spears or something. We had a little karaoke laser disc situation. And it was just like everyone on the ground. And I, in my towel, like, okay, this is happening. And then, like, eventually seeing my dad get taken away in cuffs. And then we go with Child Protective Services. So... With a father in jail and a mother on the lam. One who eventually landed in federal prison herself. My grandparents ended up adopting us. Saving Jessica and her siblings from the pitfalls of the American foster care system. We moved to the city of Tustin Ranch, so it was really nice. 
Tustin Ranch is in Orange County, California. You know, I'm going to the school, feeling kind of a little bit like the black sheep because how do I tell these friends what my life really is? Because they're like, oh, where's your parents? <laughs> you know, And so I basically had to start living a double life, essentially. So I've been really good at being able to be a chameleon and to be able to go into any room or situation and know how to fit in. So, after high school... I went to Orange Coast College, which is like the beachy community college. There was a teacher. She was incredible. She always only wore purple. She would swear. She read my palm. And she said, yeah, you're like meant to be doing these big things, but you're off your path. Jessica didn't know what that meant at the time, but... Her words resonated. This spiritually inclined teacher also taught Jessica Reiki. Reiki? Roki. Ruku. (laughs) You had it right. Reiking. Apparently, this is a form of hands-on energy healing that I don't want anything to do with. (laughs) I'm going to Reiki right now. Are you? Good, because the leaves are all over the front lawn. (laughs) So this is when I really got introduced to these higher awareness education And actually, that's the first time that I watched What the Bleep Do You Know, which is Mark Vicente's documentary. Dear listener, please file that little piece of information away for later. Getting exposed to all these other things like Reiki or quantum physics definitely led me on that thirst for more knowledge and truth. I had a friend that I made. She wanted to be an actress. Her name was Kitty. And she wanted to move to L.A., and I thought, great, this is my ticket out of here. I was 18. So she dropped out of college and moved to the land of forbidden fruit and nuts. Me and Kitty were just thrust into the Hollywood clubbing scene now. And she hit it hard. You go to a club, and then you're going to an after party. It was all about the after party. And then you're hungover. Then maybe you're at a brunch. Who knows? Or you're at a pool somewhere. Doing Runyon Canyon. Getting your fucking green smoothie. All these mansions. Hollywood Hills. Champagne. Celebrities. Whatever. I'm just going along for the ride. She was a hostess. Waited tables at various trendy L.A. restaurants. While also pursuing modeling and acting gigs. The first person to ever do that in L.A. Wait (laughs) tables and pursue modeling and acting gigs. Shocker. Mm -hmm. But somewhere through the glitz and the glam, she started to see the truth. To, like, see all of these people that on the outside look like they have everything, but inside be really sad, really lonely, really insecure. A lot of drug addiction problems. And then one day, she was having a conversation with a friend, and he asked her about her mom. And as soon as I said, Mom, I threw up. I was like, holy shit, what's going on? Sometimes all it takes is a small moment to create a big shift. I was just like repressing everything. Ran away from home, can't deal with my family. I was also dealing with the fact that I had been sexually abused. And I go, oh, there's some shit I need to deal with. So, just like that? I stopped partying, and then I ended up moving to the Palazzo, walking distance to Erewhon. And this is when Erewhon was, like, very trendy. 
And so instead of going to a club or a bar, I'd go to the tonic bar. Okay. What is Erewhon? Erewhon, spelled E-R-E-W-H-O-N. Erewhon. Right. What is that? It's this trendy, overpriced health food store in L.A. kind of makes Whole Foods look like Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) All the cool kids go there and spend way too much on fresh-pressed juices and raw organic baby buffalo milk. And the only way you can be a part of this community is to spend $175 on lunch. <laughs> How pretentious. You shop there, don't you, Liz? I love Air One. <laughs> so then I was drinking tonics and having superfood smoothie things. One of my friends told me about colonics, and I will say that that really changed my life. I'm just on this path of enlightenment actively seeking these things, knowing that I had all these traumas and that I'm like, okay, I got to fix this shit. So my former best friend, her and I were both very much into personal development. We were always reading books, going to seminars. And she told me about a presentation at her house about something that could be beneficial for you. A simple presentation about bettering your life, right? Sounds innocent enough. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what this is. Also, there's going to be snacks. Ooh, snacks. Snacks. (laughs) Tyler's in. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) So I watched this presentation. You know, they're writing all the stuff on like the white pieces of paper and basically explaining ESP, which is Executive Success Program. But everyone knows it as Nexium. Nexium started as a self-help multi-level marketing company back in the late 90s, and it was led by a man named Keith Ranieri. But why the name Nexium, Liz? What does that mean? Well, the meaning of the name is still unclear, but I did a little research. Mm-hmm. Get this. There's this word Nexum, N-E-X-U-M. And Nexum was a debt bondage contract in the early Roman Republic. Ah, uh, like 500 BC. Exactly. And the debtor pledged his person as collateral if he defaulted on a loan. Meaning? Meaning if someone defaulted on a loan, they would become a slave to the person who loaned them the money. Got it. Dear listeners, also file that information away for later. It's a lot of remembering they have to do. It's a lot of work, this podcast. We actually take pleasure in having a smart audience. Yeah. If you don't like words like 500 B.C., or that other French word that I used earlier today. <laughs> Just turn off the tape. Leave right now. <laughs> so King Predator, my name for... Keith. Yeah, that guy. He likely dropped the E, moved the X over, added an I, and changed the U to a V. And therefore, Nexum becomes Nexium. But as Jessica mentioned, at the presentation, she was introduced to their executive success program. Also known as ESP which is a track that falls under the Nexium umbrella. It's how most people get initially involved. ESP is a series of workshops designed to activate human potential. It's their personal development, humanitarian, ethics-based, human potential curriculum course. Oi, they could have used some help on that title. What do you mean? Personal development, humanitarian, ethics-based, human potential curriculum course. (laughs) Super easy to read. Uh Uh-huh. Rolls off the tongue. The presentation was quite intriguing. The pitch was perfect, and the room was filled with positive energy and excitement. And snacks. Yes, Tyler, and snacks. They actually had a lot of fervor and a lot of passion. We were really, like, turned on. 
And then a little serendipity entered the room. Mark Vicente was there. Mark is the director of the documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know? The movie Jessica watched in college with her magical teacher, who read her palm and told her she was meant to be doing big things, but was off her path. I already have respect for him, and he has a certain level of clout, you know, and him talking about this. It's very difficult for me to truly explain the experience of this curriculum, and I do my very best. Where it goes from here is staggering. This really is just the tip of the iceberg. So... Basically, what they said was like, hey, we have this patent-pending technology and curriculum that can help you get rid of your limitations. The curriculum purports to rid you of your bad habits and limiting beliefs so that you can become the best version of yourself, living with more joy and less pain. That doesn't sound too terrible. I mean, everyone has limiting beliefs that hold us back in some capacity. Oh, yeah? What are yours? That my blonde hair means I'm stupid. (laughs) It doesn't mean that? You know, Liz, at least I don't pay for mine. Hey, I pay a lot of money to look stupid, Tyler, which I guess means yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but limiting beliefs are commonplace. Thoughts like, I don't deserve to be loved, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, not smart enough, not successful enough. I mean, everyone can relate to that. Are you reading from your journal, Tyler? It's a diary, Liz. <laughs> it's like you want to lose weight, but something always happens. You start eating this or you stop working out. Those things are your blocks, and this technology will help you remove that so you can actually reach your highest potential. I was like, this sounds a little too good to be true. Like, really? But also, could this be something that actually can do that? Ah, the what-if game reminds me of my favorite quote about love. It goes, it is a risk to love. What if it doesn't work out? Ah, but what if it does? It's lovely. Do you know that quote? No. My favorite quote about love is, I once fell in love with the wrong person. (laughs) That's my favorite quote about love. And it's funny because it's true. So the presentation. The presentation. We knew this presentation wasn't going to stop at a slideshow and snacks. Of course not. It was just a teaser for what they were really selling, which was a 16-day ESP workshop broken up into parts. The first five days were taught in Los Angeles. Jessica's interest was piqued, but there was a catch. The first five days was like four grand. So I'm like, oh, this is a little pricey. But also, is it priced this much because you're actually going to get the results? As she vacillated, the coaches gave her an incentive. If you turn in your application now, it is cheaper. So she said, screw it. She filled out the application and turned in her $500 deposit, which guaranteed her a discount. I was trying to get that deal, like $500 cheaper. But when she got home, she still felt uneasy about her decision. I thought about it, consulted my boyfriend at the time. He was like, if they really want to help people, why does it cost that much? He was trying to warn me from the beginning. So Jessica had a change of heart. She wanted her money back. You see, she had been saving for a much-awaited trip to Hawaii— So she's like, I don't want to spend fucking four grand on this. I could be chilling in Hawaii. So she calls Mark Vicente and says she wants her money back. Now, Mark's years deep in this thing at this point, okay? He's a top recruiter and coach for the group. And his manipulation tactics are now black belt level. He was like, hey, you could go on vacation and it would be healing. But you know that feeling? That'll still be there. And I was like, fuck, how do you know about the feeling? 
fucking ninja shit, right? <laughs> and um, he said, there's only been one person ever that wanted their money back after this, and we gave it to them. So if you are not satisfied, we will give it back to you. Yeah, well, what the bleep does he know? <laughs> so now I have nothing to lose. If this sucks, I get my money back. So I was like, okay, fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? I spend a few thousand dollars, five days of my life. What if this is actually helpful? Everything happened very quickly. I took my first five-day in August of 2016. And it felt like going to the first day of school. Excitement, nervousness, you don't know what to expect. And I did it with my former best friend and another friend. (laughs) We're all in it together. Getting cute, we're like, oh my God. The five-day workshop was held in a casting space in Culver City, California. They provided breakfast snacks and like a little coffee. Snacks and coffee? I'm way in. Do you get fed at home, Tyler? (laughs) The kind of people that showed up for this intensive was such a wide range of different kind of individuals. It was so beautiful. You have someone who is like a high-level production designer. You have a stylist. You have a teacher. You have a millionaire CEO. You have this more hippie woman. So they're not all lost, vulnerable, weak lemmings. Interesting. They attracted such beautiful people, people that wanted to excel. And it really felt like, yo, we have the magic sauce. We want to share the magic sauce with you so you can be super happy and we can all have magic sauce. Right, (laughs) right. I wanted to believe it was possible. That's why, like I said, it sounded a little too good to be true. Like, really? This is what's going to stop me from my limitations? But at that moment, it was true. It was incredible. I had some really powerful, deeply healing experiences. They had a great curriculum. There were so many great tools, like videos with Nancy Salzman, who is the CEO. Executive Success Programs is a human potential program. We called it Executive Success Programs not because it's only geared for executives in business, although it's very good for executives in business. What we want to do is we want to be successful by executing, by following through, by being proactive in our lives. A former nurse, Nancy co-founded Nexium with Keith in 1998. She was known as Prefect and was the second most powerful person in the cult. All right, so Nancy is Prefect. Why? Funny you ask. I did a little investigating, and I'm not sure what exactly is right, but I have my own theories. Lay it on me, sis. Okay. Keith was known as Vanguard, so everyone referred to him as that. Now, some say Vanguard is from, like, a video game that he liked. Others refer to Vanguard's definition of a trailblazer of new ideas. But when you look up Vanguard, one definition is the front part of an army, okay? Mm -hmm. And the term Vanguard originates with the medieval French avant-garde, also known as the advanced guard, okay? I'm downloading what you're sending. (laughs) Remember the theory on the Nexium name? Ancient Rome, Nexium becomes Nexium? I'm sensing a theme. Right. So some of the military tactics of ancient Rome were when the soldiers were marching, the legion would deploy in columns with a what leading them. I'm guessing a vanguard. You guessed right. And prefect. 
prefect comes from the Latin prefectus, meaning put in front. Okay, a prefect is a title referring to the leader of an administrative area. But again, Tyler, in the Roman Empire, prefectus was the formal title of many low to high-ranking military officials. But here's the interesting part. These officials didn't have any authority on their own accord. Their authority was conferred by delegation from a higher authority. Understand? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to keep up. Someone higher up had to give them permission to assert their power. Right. Someone like a vanguard. A vanguard. Right. Yes. I think you have cracked the case, Veronica Mars. You are a genuinely good Wikipedia user. <laughs> <laughs> but real talk, who knows if I'm... You could be right. And I think it's a good theory. Thank you. Okay. So, Nancy, the prefect, she's saying, like, what is the law? What is happiness? Asking these questions and then we'd break off into these small groups and have a discussion about it. So we are dedicating from 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. time to really reflect on ourselves, our thoughts, what we believe in life. So that's really powerful. The ESP course curriculum included these things called modules, which are essentially explorations of various subjects and limiting beliefs. There could be modules around fear, pain, love, etc. There is a module about success. What is success? What does success mean to you? Really breaking this stuff down. What are laws? What are rules? So you were brought to question things. And then they had this technology called EMs, EM is exploration of meaning. This is where the group leader, also known as the proctor, would work one-on-one with an individual's trauma. But they would do it in a public setting, in front of everyone. Say someone was afraid of bees, like super terrified of bees, severe trauma around it. And so when she got her EM... The proctor would take the individual back to the earliest memory of her fear of bees. They were asking questions like, how are you feeling at this time? Basically reframing the memory so the person could have this realization that that whole B fear was irrational. So the tech that they had was really high level. This kind of technique is nothing new. It's basically cognitive behavioral therapy. But by doing it publicly, this was a high-level manipulation to make members more vulnerable and have them reveal emotional truths about themselves. Which could be used later as a weapon. I was having an EM working out something that had to do with my relationship at the time. And the proctor took me through the EM. Asking her various questions related to love, relationships, and her boyfriend. And then I just had this breakthrough where the whole room just turned white. Like, this is like some Matrix shit. I felt like I was on a hallucinogen. I just went to a new level. My brain exploded. (laughs) I realized, oh my God, this relationship right now is existing because a lot of it is like a shared trauma and a shared codependency. This is actually holding both of us back. The reality is the relationship was deteriorating on its own. This intense revelation came after just five days, the only five days she had paid for to this point. But... Actually, it's a total of a 16-day course broken up into a five-day and an 11-day. Well, isn't that convenient? Mm -hmm. But now Jessica is hooked. Oh, my God. After the five days, I was so high on life. 
I made all these new friends. I'm feeling heard and seen for the first time. And I feel like I have the magic sauce and I want to finish the 16 days. I'm like, I don't care about the money. I just want to take more courses. I wanted my boyfriend at the time to take it. I'm like, please take this. It's going to help you with your issues. He still didn't trust the program and declined. But it didn't matter because Jessica had a new love, Nexium. It gave me the courage and the reasoning behind what I would do next. We broke up. And now Jessica was talking about Nexium to every one of her friends. The organization, like many cults, rewards recruitment. It's how you move up the ranks. You want to be a top proctor, get more butts in the seats. And for Jessica, recruitment came naturally. When I love something, I love to promote it. I'm like, oh my God, have you had this smoothie? It is the best smoothie. I just want people to feel as good as I feel. So I went on a whole fucking rampage. But very few of her friends were receptive. They just all of a sudden stopped returning my calls. But that didn't matter. She had a whole new group of friends in Nexium that were finally speaking her language. Now these people that were once strangers know more about me than my closest friends and family. And not only am I in this safe space to share, I'm also witnessing them get so vulnerable. And so for me, that was so exciting because my life prior with the whole Hollywood thing, my soul was dying. And I didn't have a community of people that were asking these kind of questions. So for me, I was like, I am in emotional sharing heaven. My foot was on the gas and now I just shifted into a new gear. Over this period, Jessica got close with one of the leading women in the group. India Oxenberg. She was one of the leaders at Jessica's intro presentation. She was helping me process because now I'm raw, I'm open. She told me that there was something she was really excited to share with me. India said she would tell her this amazing secret, but only in person, in Albany, New York, which just so happened to also be where the last 11 of the 16 days were taking place. She was priming me. You see, Nexium, they had locations all over the world, but... The home base was Albany. That's where Keith lived. That was like the Mecca. But at this point, it wasn't going to require any convincing to keep her taking the ESP classes. A few more thousand dollars anteed up for five more days felt reasonable considering the benefits she felt the experience was giving her. The next set of classes were in November 2016, just two months after her first five-day course. So me and my former best friend wanted to go, and they're like, you can stay in this house. Remember this house, people. So Jessica and her friend fly to New York City and take a bus through upstate New York. Bypassing all the fun things to do and going straight for <laughs> snooze land. <laughs> and this is at nighttime when we're crossing through. There's just nothing. It's very rural. And we like see these government buildings. I'm like, where are we? It's surreal. We get there, the bus stop. It's pitch black. It's snowing. It's cold. I'm exhausted. And who was there to greet her? None other than India Oxenberg, picking them up in a little black BMW. She's like, oh, we're going to head to volleyball. It was 10.30, almost 11. I just thought, who the fuck is playing volleyball right now? 
So for those who don't know, the leader, Keith Ranieri, he loved volleyball, and the group would often meet multiple times a week, but often late at night. Let's back up to when Jessica was initially told about Keith Ranieri. This was at her first five-day course in Los Angeles. In the five-day, there's a lot of weird ritual-type things where you have these sashes, like in karate, yeah, white belt, you're brand new. So these different colors signifying how far up you've gone. Like in karate. Mm-hmm, sure. Well, that was the justification for it. You see, sashes are really just a way to get you to recruit more members and get more money from you by keeping you paying dues and taking classes. Ad infinitum. Explain. Well, they call it the stripe path. Once you start out, you're given a white sash. Now, you earn stripes on your sash when you... Recruit new members? Bingo. And these sashes look like... Well, they're like scarves, tacky table runners. I mean, they're just a cheap sateen fabric. Like your prom dress, Tyler? Mm Mm-hmm. So you had to earn a certain amount of stripes on your sash before you advance to the next color on the stripe path. And that moves you up in the hierarchy. Cults love a hierarchy. Mm, So after white is yellow. And yellow is when you get to work for free for Nexium and become a coach. From coach, you then move up to proctor, then counselor, leading ultimately to gold. But there was only one gold ever. That was reserved for prefect. Nancy Salzman herself. Mm-hmm. And while you do get a minimum salary to be a proctor and a counselor, you are actually paying up to 25 times as much in dues, so... It's an honest day's pay for an honest day's work right there, Tyler. <laughs> sure is, Liz. <laughs> All right, now you've learned it. Back to Jessica's intro to Keith at her very first five-day class. They put pictures up, one of Keith and one of Nancy, and so... Before we'd start the class, we would have to, like, bow, like, thank you, Vanguard, thank you, Prefect. But again, in martial arts, it's a sign of respect. You still in, Tyler? There's still snacks. (laughs) So, basically, what they do in the beginning is they indoctrinate you with this belief that Keith is this super high IQ, black belt martial artist, humanitarian, incredible being. He's basically like the Buddha. Tell us more, Nancy Salzman. The Guinness Book of World Records said that he was one of the top scorers on an IQ test ever given. One of the top three problem solvers in the world. He learned French, German, and English before he learned to read. So that's what you think. And then you have this incredible experience with this curriculum. You're like, wow, this one guy created this because he wants to change the world. And he always wore a white sash because he's forever a student. What a douchebag. (laughs) (laughs) Cults often do this with their leaders. They position them as untouchable, godlike geniuses, creating an intoxicating allure. Apparently, despite his self-proclaimed genius, Keith's GPA was 2.26. Oh, well, he's got me beat. (laughs) (laughs) And here's Keith talking about Nexium and all his brilliance. Most of what we say makes sense. It's not grounded in mysticism at all. It's not grounded in a lot of things that maybe are highly effective but are unexplainable. I think we have quite potent tools, and I think our tools are unique. I was really excited to meet Keith. For me, I thought this guy created this incredible curriculum, but not only that, He's supposed to be high IQ, fucking world solver of problems. I thought, he wants to change the world. I want to change the world. Yo, 
I need to meet this guy. What's up? What are we doing? So even though it's almost 11 p.m. and they've had a long day of travel, Jessica's along for the ride. We pull up to the sports barn. We're going to volleyball, whatever that even means. It was just so weird and strange that I was curious then. She walks in and there he is, the great and powerful Keith Raniere in all his glory. He was really short and had his glasses and had a whole little volleyball outfit on, polo and shorts and knee pads. I don't remember if he had a headband or not, but that was part of his volleyball attire. All these people would come to volleyball to watch him. He'd play and then he'd take these little breaks. People were waiting in like a long line to talk to him. And so he'd take a break, go on like a little mini walk within the volleyball perimeter and chat to them. I was actually off to the side with India and India was like, oh, I want to introduce you. And his short, sweaty body, I'm sure, was massively intimidating. He was actually very underwhelming in person, but I had created this whole idea of who he was, what he meant to me, what he represented. So when I met him, I had this huge emotional breakdown. I, like, started crying. And he comes to me, and he holds my hand, sits me down at this little bench area, and he's like, why are you so emotional right now? I said, because I had such a great experience with ESP and I'm just really emotionally moved right now that you created that and it helped me so much. He just held my hand and was like, I'm glad that you're here. That was pretty much it. He had to resume volleyball. It felt comforting. It felt like I was being cared for. Jessica believes that his initial nurturing behavior was entirely on purpose. He was eating that up. He's like, oh my God, my little lamb. So after volleyball, Jessica is taken to the house where they are told they could stay. I told you guys to remember that house. Well, that's because this is a house owned by a woman named Allison Mack. Mm-hmm. And you should remember that name too. This house was kind of like a sorority house. Lots of Nexium participants lived in this house, which lines up. Jessica described the Nexium community in Albany like its own little mini college campus. It's like this humanitarian university. People were coming from all over the world to take these courses. So we stayed in this basement. For free. But remember, my friends, nothing is ever free when it comes to cults. Normally, people would pay but me and my friend, for some reason, didn't have to pay because we were friends with India. What Jessica didn't understand at the time was that there was a whole master plan happening. So the next morning... I start the continuation of the 11 day, and now there's a whole hodgepodge of all these amazing people. A lot of them were very attractive, too, which was very interesting. <laughs> Just like a little note. We're all bonding under the guise of wanting to improve ourselves and humanitarianism. So I'm having an incredible time meeting beautiful people, sharing, feeling on fire. She went through days of modules, classes, and EMs, but she had only paid for the first 11 days of the 16-day course. Similar to after the five-day in L.A., Jessica felt alive in a way she hadn't felt in a long time, maybe even ever. 
I was now feeling like I don't want to leave. I'm having an amazing time. I want to stay. I'm feeling really sad. The FOMO is kicking in. FOMO? Fear of missing out, Tyler. I just don't understand this acronym generation. YTW. Okay, what's that? You totally wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Did you make that up? BTJ. What? Back to Jessica. Yes, let's go back to Jessica. (laughs) Okay, so Jessica has completed all of the classes that she has paid for. But before she's set to leave Albany, she returns to the sports barn one more time. I go to volleyball. Keith was there. You don't get to just chat with Keith unless you're special. You don't even see Keith. Like, you get a Keith sighting if you see him walking around Clifton Park. He's the Buddha. But tonight, she must have been the special one because he spoke to her one-on-one. He was like, how's the course going? I go, it's going great. I'm going to leave, though. And he's like, or you could just stay. And I'm thinking, yeah, motherfucker, well, your course is really expensive. Are you paying for this? Like, I'm just getting irritated. Now we're no longer dealing with expert manipulator Mark Vicente. We're dealing with Machiavelli himself, Mr. Ranieri. And then he says... Are you the master of your life, or is your life the master of you? And that was all he had to say. And I just went through my brain really quick. I'm having an amazing time. I have nothing to go back to at home that's, like, more fulfilling than what I'm doing right now. Am I the master of my life? I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to figure it out. So she gets a loan from a woman she had met in the group. The financial abuse is picking up steam. She now has to go into debt to afford to stay. But sometimes we see things how we want to see them. And for Jessica, she saw this as a sign. Now I'm like, wow, the universe is really conspiring for me to stay. So I stay. For the last six days of ESP work. Now I'm reflecting on it. It was totally set up for that to happen in that way. Yeah. So subtle. And it totally changed the trajectory of my life, that one moment. Okay, so Jessica is now fully committed to the full 16 days. For the first part of the course, you're working on your fears, traumas, and limiting beliefs. Dealing with your insecurities, going to the messy parts of yourself. But the second half is a different experience, and it was called the Magnificent Series. The names they give these things. (laughs) And the Magnificent Series is like, we're supposed to be feeling good. Like, okay, I'm not a shitty person. There it is, the typical break you down so they can build you back up again cult tactic. Group therapy on crack. Like, not even crack, like on acid. And it was inspiring for Jessica. It wasn't just women that were having emotional experiences. Some of these men that were the proctors leading the group were doing the EMs and really getting in there with my personal intimate details. And I can see the love and empathy in their eyes. Just so willing and open to talk about feelings. And they weren't just emo dudes either. They weren't like betas. There was a lot of alphas that were just being open. That's something even important in cultivating a healthy society is men that are tapped into their vulnerabilities. That's how you become a whole person. 
And after a few days of the courses being taught by various proctors, in walks the Nexium celebrity. Allison Mack ended up being a proctor during the last three days for the Magnificent series. For those who don't know, Allison is a Hollywood actress best known for her leading role on CW show Smallville. Ooh, I look forward to never seeing that show. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a very telling clip. But that still doesn't answer why you're only wearing my football jersey. I want to make you my number one priority. I would do anything for you. Things to help relieve your stress. Is it soup or is it art, Tyler? Ooh, I don't understand what you just meant. Yes, you do. Oh, it's Warhol. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) Okay. So after three days of working with Allison, Jessica completed the 16-day course and was given a sash. I was a white sash, but like I had one of the red stripes because I finished the 16-day. By recruiting, you would then get your second red stripe. And speaking of recruiting, remember when India told Jessica she had a secret to tell her in Albany? I do. She's like, okay, let's go on this walk. Because, you know, that's what everyone does in Albany. Everyone's walking. And she tells me about this thing that she's been in for over a year. Something else that's even better and more transformative than her whole time in Nexium. Mind you, India had been in Nexium for like, I don't know, nine years. Also, too, her mom is like this famous actress. Her grandma's a princess of Yugoslavia, so... Her network is very vast. On this walk, she tells me about this woman's only mentorship program and that it's ran by very affluent, successful women. She's like, it's a secret society. When she met me, she saw how strong I was. I thought this whole thing was like ninja badass woman training camp. You know, I'm like, holy shit, sign me up. That's when she tells me, If you want to know more, you have to submit three pieces of collateral. Financial, family, and reputation. That's like a membership-only club or a sorority. There's secrets. It also made it seem more exclusive. Ooh, only certain people are allowed to be in this. And it felt safe coming from Little India. I wasn't afraid of her. She is this, like, blonde bunny rabbit looking from Malibu. I didn't feel anything evil or nefarious coming from her. We already built all this trust. So, yeah, I basically joined after then. I knew it as the vow. The actual name is Das. And then things really escalated after that. Thank you all for listening. But wait, I want more of that story. Oh, you're going to get more, Tyler. On the next episode of Was I in a Cult? They have all this money. They have all this collateral. I didn't know how dangerous they were. Where we get to hear how Jessica untangles herself from this toxic web. Of lies, deceit, and betrayal. We've led the audience to the water. Now let them drink. The Kool-Aid? Oh, will they drink it is the question. Perhaps. Again, I'm your co-host, Tyler Meesom. You don't actually have to say your name again, Tyler. You just said my name again, Liz Iacuzzi. Oh. Until next time. And remember, when given the choice between Hawaii and an overpriced self-help course, always always choose Hawaii. Hawaii. 
Aloha, bitches. <laughs> Was I in a cult? Produced, a story produced, written, written and, and hosted, hosted by Liz Iacuzzi and Tyler Meesom. Executive producer is Maya Cole. Supervising producer is Catherine Burt Canton. Audio editor is Chandler Mays. And additional story producer is Ari Basile. Additional materials from HBO's The Vow and CW Network's Smallville. Visit us at wasiinacult.com and learn how you can support this podcast. If you or someone you know has a riveting cult story and would like to be empowered by sharing it on our show, please email us a brief overview of your experience to info at wasianacult.com. And keyword is brief, guys. (laughs) We are not reading your novel. (laughs) We will get there. But just tell us a little bit about what happened, and we can't wait to talk to you. Now go back to not listening to us. Fart soup. Just say any word you want, Tyler. Pizza nose. <laughs> and we just lost and every there listener. There goes our listener. Great.